Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. This is Jared Van Vorst, one of the pastors of Life Church, and we are so grateful that you are listening today. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, welcome everybody to Table Talk Thursdays. We are excited to have you and to uh, be connecting with you uh, as usual. Please know that all questions are welcomed. We go live every Thursday at uh, 12 noon. So all questions about life, about theology, any questions that you may have. Did Jesus have a belly button? Whatever questions you have, we are open to trying to answer them as best as possible and also point you to resources so that you can get a robust understanding of what we're talking about. So questions are due in by Tuesday evening. If you don't get it in by then, do not fret. We will put them on for the next segment. Uh, all live questions will also be answered as time permits. And if you have follow-up questions, We'll be taking a look at that. Uh, Myself, Pastor Nathan, and Jared will be looking at those questions if we can parlay them into what we're doing. As a reminder, do continue to pray for our nation, our world. Pray for those who are quarantined, waiting on test results. Pray for those who have lost employment. And, of course, those who have lost loved ones. Pray for the at-risk populations. Those who are on the front lines, the healthcare professionals and all essential workers, pray for the elderly. Pray for those with pre-existing conditions. And don't forget to keep praying for Midland and the surrounding areas and the flood that they experienced a few weeks back. Uh, they are still in the process of picking up their lives and uh, reassembling their lives as best as they can. So we pray that God will be with them and that they would uh, have favor as they go through these processes and just find joy in the Lord and also be able to, as it were, um, recollect their lives. Also, we're praying and mourning with the Ahmad Aubrey family, the Douglas C.L. Lewis family, um, Brianna Taylor's family, Sean Reed's family, George Floyd's family, and I wish that was the end of the list, but also David McCarthy's family and John Skerlick family, two people who lost their lives last week. So um, do continue to pray for that. Do continue to reach out to each other. I just want to personally thank and perhaps maybe even on the behalf of people of color, those who are in Be The Bridge, uh, who reached out to us, gave us gifts, and just reminded us that they see us and they're connected mm. with us in practical ways. Uh, even if you're not part of Be The Bridge, those who reached out to folks, uh, it's a blessing to have people reach out. It's hard in these moments when you have friends of different ethnicities and they're silent. Um, that means something that's piercing and it hurts, but it's also a blessing uh, when people are able to come alongside you in this process and mourn with you and even be able to be vulnerable and say, I don't understand what you're going through, but I can only assume as a human being that this hurts and I'm here with you. So those are great benefits and blessings along the way. So do continue to reach out to each other, care for each other. Uh, it's been a blessing to see people just reach out and pray for each other uh, and ask how they can be praying for me and for others. It's just been a blessing. So I thank you guys for that. Also, um, well, not also, but moving along, we want to check in with our pastors. We've got Pastor Jared. We've got Pastor Nathan here. And we have a handsome young man that we'll introduce a little later on. Uh, but uh, Pastor Jared, how are you doing today, brother? Doing well. As you can see, I'm wearing a bit of a party shirt here. Um, so, Aloha. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to mix with the season here, but yeah, well, our family is doing well. Um, excited to see that re- some restrictions are starting to lift and yeah. some things are starting to get uh, picked back up again. Um, after all the things that you mentioned, all the names that have become hashtags, um, what's going yeah. on in the news, obviously um, there, there's a lot 
Uh, there's a lot of emotions. I've been having several conversations uh, just this week, um, one today, just great conversations uh, to see how I can uh, best support uh, friends and family, uh, family of Christ, really, and um, yeah. pray for them too. And um, and then it was a, such a blessing for this uh, uh, this one couple who said, "What can we do for you?" Mm. And and I just said. Man, I, I would say pray, pray that the Holy Spirit convicts us where we need to be convicted, um, mm. but that we would have the courage to pay attention to it as well. So um, it's it it feels weird to say we're doing well in the midst of that, but uh, but there's an optimism and a hope that I have that that I only attribute to the Spirit of God and to um, the work that Jesus has done and continues to do in and through us. So that's where I'm at. And even as you talk about whether or not to make levity of the situation, but I saw some snow this morning, folks. I don't know if I was the only one. I saw some flakes coming and it wasn't pollen. So I don't know what was going on in Michigan. Was this dandruff going on? Angel, angelic dandruff. I don't know, brother. I saw stuff. I saw I saw it. I'm telling you, it went in the spirit, whether in the body or in the flesh, I don't know, but I was carried (laughs) to the third heaven and I saw some things, but anyway, so Michigan, Hey, listen, you guys joke, but you, you say it just like I do now, which is give it a couple of hours. The weather looked different. So you never know, but fascinating. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, I do feel like there's, there's a shift and a change. I'm at my office and, uh, it's been good to be here. Uh, I brought my lunch with me, but I just needed a few, a little bit more. So I went into a, uh, one of the cupboards and found a opened, um, bag of chips and I partook and it was good. Um, I partook of these chips and they were definitely opened in March. And (laughs) it was like, (laughs) were they Doritos? No, they were potato chips. They didn't, they weren't great, but whatever. Um, you know, waste not, want not. We'll see what happens later. Uh, so I went, <laughs> I went to uh, last night was we were doing the recordings on Wednesday night. You'll hear a little more about that actually later and why and, and some of the, the mistakes that are made. Uh, but last night was wonderful. And we shot the service all the way through. And it was just, Good. it felt more like we were social distance with the volunteers in the room. And it just felt more. And then uh, I was really excited. I got to make an announcement about something that we're going to do. Um, we have to wait till Sunday, but something that's different and new. Um, and I think people are going to be really, really excited. So th- there's this feeling of freshness. I got to walk around the grounds today. Um, I did that mm. the first day I started work about two years ago and I just walked the whole grounds, walked around the pond, by the way. It's, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I feel like there's this freshness, this newness to um, the world. And that gives me a lot of hope. Because I think a lot of us are like, man, I am, I am tired. It's like eating a bag of stale potato chips, right? It just doesn't feel right anymore. And what so an analogy for life. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm a pastor. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> I can't help it. But it, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. We're getting there. Is your life a stale bag of chips? Come to Jesus. Come to Life Church. We will help. All right. Well, we are happy and delighted to have a pastor. Pastor Rich Allen here, a famous last name, a famous name actually, uh, especially in the in the in the black church, brother. But um, so you got to tell me a little bit about that at some point. But we are happy to have you. We are thankful that we have this platform to be able to showcase many of our uh, ministries that people don't get to see daily. And so, how are you doing in this unique season, sir? How's life? How's everything going? How's your heart? 
Well, hello, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on, Daniel. Absolutely. It's fun to be able to do this. I mean, I get to see y'all almost every day, but not in this kind of format and joining yeah. in. So glad to be able to do it. Um, how am I doing? Your question, it, you, the other guys have kind of alluded to this, too. It, it sort of reminds me of when Charles Dickens said, it's the best of times, it's mm -hmm. the worst of times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just that sense that, um, there's good things happening, that God is at work around us. I mean, I think of some of the stuff that's really visible uh, in our culture right now, and some of this are things we have been praying about and praying for, that there would be movement, that there would be change, that things would happen, there would be visibility, that there, we would get the right people's attention, that we could um, change our church, change our community, change our country. And so there's a level of excitement and interest. And then at the same time, it's just, it's just awful. I mean, George Floyd should be alive right now. And Ahmaud Arbery should be alive right now. And we just weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And at this, there's just this tension of how, how bad it is and how good it can be at the same time that we have to live in. So, uh, you know, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling it both ways. It's been not just here this week either. It's been a while for that. I mean, and part of me sees what the church is doing, how people are doing, they're growing spiritually, folks are coming to Christ, they're joining into ministry, they're taking steps of faith. I mean, just everything you would hope to see. Uh, pe you know, people are giving, people are active. And then, you got COVID out there too, and mm. people are sick, people are dying, living with loss, and how do we hold this tension as mm. we navigate life is just one of the challenges for us, so I'm feeling it both ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know we have some more touch point questions for you, but it's interesting as you talk about COVID, uh, you know, you would usually, I would usually say fun fact, but this is not a fun fact. Troubling fact is that George Floyd apparently had COVID recovered only to be murdered. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough irony of life in it. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'm, I'm glad that people are getting, or get the ability to hear some of your heart today. So, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Rich, um, obviously we're, we're uh, we've been doing this for a while now, a couple months. Brother, and your voice though, I gotta tell you, your <laughs> voice is just awesome. Thank you. <laughs> tell, tell me more. I can't get enough of your love, baby. Um, uh, what in this season for you specifically? And I saw your lovely wife Sue peeking in in the in the door behind you, which is awesome. That's probably a great thing that you've been able to um, just connect mm -hmm. in a, in a different, unique way in your marriage. Um, there is a lot, uh, of, of negative things that have come out of this for you specifically though. What, what have been some of the positive sort of blessings that you've experienced in this time of being uh, shelter in place? Yeah. Well, thanks, Jared. Um, I mean, one of them is Sue. She yeah. peeked in. I'm really thankful for the relationship with we, we, that we have. I mean, I mean, like, this is sort of weird, but, you know, being assigned to stay at home with Sue Allen, guys, that's like winning the lottery when you didn't even buy a ticket. I mean, <laughs> this is great stuff. And but, that's how um, you stay married, folks. <laughs> Lesson done. Um, so I appreciate her very much. But, um, 
people, people in general. I mean, the way that this has forced us to think about, am I connected? Do I have the relationships? Am I spending time on them? Am I, you know, interfacing with people? So it's been more electronic than in person, but it's caused it to be more intentional than accidental. And I think there's been a benefit in all of that to have intentional relationships and seeking time with people. That has really been a blessing. And I alluded to this earlier, but just seeing people faithfully respond. I mean, there's a lot of folks around us who have all kinds of difficult circumstances, whether it's dealing with loss, like we mentioned, whether it's just kids at home, whether it's um, ups and downs in jobs, it could be craziness in the job, it could be laid off from the job. And people are dealing with all kinds of stuff. And yet, there's just faithfulness. There's people serving, there's people giving, there's people loving, there's people not not uh, shying away from this season. And I get to experience that. I get to be around some of those folks in our own church, in our community. And that's a real blessing as well. So it's been part of the fun in a unique sort of way. To follow on to that, it's, uh, we actually had one of the people on our thread, Julie, ask this question. I think, Rich, it'd be great. Because one of the things I appreciate about, appreciate about you is how much joy you have. And But she asked, so when we have these periods of joy, how do we have these periods of joy without feeling guilty of being joyful when there's also so much hurt and lament in our hearts? And I think I've observed that in you as you think about that question, the ability to have joy um, in seasons and, and still be honest about the pain and suffering that's around. So, it, you know, for you being a, a few years ahead of us in experience, you know, what, what, how do we do that? How do we not feel guilty when we have joy, when the world is, is so hurting around us more than ever? Mm. Yeah. Hey, Julie, that's a great question. I have asked myself that question. How do we have you know, joy, even in the midst of sorrow. And as I dealt with that question, I really had some good interaction with God over it. That question, I went to him just personally interacting, just trying to help me to answer that question. You know, how can we have that joy in the midst of sorrow? And part of the way that God spoke to me in it was that um, it was good to just be honest. That was part of it. Like, hey, just be honest. Like, I, I, I feel I'm feeling joyful right now. And part of the um, getting away from that feeling guilty was recognizing that emotions are honest. And uh, we do want to watch what we do with them sometimes, but it's okay. We're human and humans have emotions and that those are a good thing. They're a gift from God that we have them. So I think the honesty helped me in going to God. And just the realization that there's one of the gifts of the spirit is joy. God actually wants that for us. So God knew life was going to be a challenge. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He said, take heart. I have overcome the world. So as he offers that to us, and as joy is one of the fruits of the spirit, I think it's a good reminder that we're supposed to be able to navigate these tensions and have these things all at the same time. That's how God created us. That's, that's really good. Thank you for answering that on the fly question. 
Now, some of people may have heard your name or known that you've existed, but for many people who, especially those who just showed up during our digital time, they don't even know who you are or what you do unless they've done some research. So what, what's your title? And, and what do you, more importantly, like who, who are you? What do you do here? And, and what gives you joy? Tell us a little, little bit about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm the executive pastor at Life Church, and I love it. It's just awesome. I'm thrilled to be a part of what God is doing here. But to answer this question, Nathan, it probably helps to go back a little bit mm-hmm. because I've been here since the early days. And the first eight or nine years with Life Church, I was not on staff. Mm-hmm. I was one of the uh, partners, one of the committed folks, of which we have hundreds of them um, now who have just been part of what God is doing all along here. So I served in different ways. I led small group. I helped in kids. I joined in events. I worked in lobby greeting. I worked, I was on the leadership team, uh, just all of those different kinds of things that we all do as we join together in partnership and use our gifts. And that's how it went for many years. So the, the, the really quick version of the story is Life Church continued to grow, continued to expand, continued to need uh, some different um, skills and uh, people involved. And so I was hired on. I started as connections pastor, was responsible for all the first impressions, connecting with people. I love it. Uh, it's just such an awesome part of what we do, setting up events, those sorts of things. We continued to grow. I gained responsibility for life groups and different areas like that as things unfolded. I had responsibility for um, what we started to do in discipleship and other areas. Um, and any as it went on and on, there was this progression for me as it went along for Life Church as well. So now as executive pastor, I we have hired staff to do more and more of those things and all of the adult ministry folks all report to me in this role so I get to be involved in all of that as these amazing staff members we have all are there making it happen in all these different areas of adult ministry as executive pastor I also oversee things you wouldn't see I mean, the the folks who handle buildings and grounds and finance and accounting and insurance and human resources and staff items and communication with the denomination and leases and uh, interaction with other churches and things that would be a little less uh, visible, but still really a part of a healthy, ongoing church. So I started out by saying my first words were, I love it. Like, I can't believe I get to do this. So thanks. Thanks, God, that you put me here. Amen. You know, um, you know, Paul talks about how um, the parts of the body that isn't seen are actually more noble because of the work that they do. Um, I remember one day we um, at a church way back when um, this gentleman, his job was strictly so that this was a more liturgical church, but his job was strictly to go there and open the Bible to the place where someone was going to read. That was his job. That's all he did. He was a volunteer. That's all he did. 
And the one day he got sick and couldn't do it, the church was chaotic. And it's, it's, it's amazing, right? He was like, wait, wait, what verse are we in? What chapter are we in? And, and I, I say that not as a way of minimizing anything that anybody does, but to say that, yeah, it's oftentimes those parts that are not outward facing that, that get the work done, that make it possible for the outward facing folks um, to be able to do what they do. So we thank you for being a pillar. Um, and I personally have learned a lot more stuff about you through this question because I didn't know you had sort of earned your stripes as it were general. Uh, so it's good to know. And I'm glad that you are here uh, with us to talk through. So we have one final question for you that we wanted to talk through, which is, so we know what you do here, at least, you know, sort of more what, what, what you've done. And so it, uh, in your ministries and the ministries that report to you and the people that report to you, but in ministry in general, what if any challenges have you had in this specific season and how uh, have you been able to get through them? And are there any sort of advice or things that you could share with the audience on how they can sort of get through the challenges of this season? Mm. Well, as, as you ask that question, maybe my answer would be a little different than somebody might expect. I don't know. But um, I'm going to describe first that there's this temptation as a pastor and as a person who's a doer to make it happen that when things were crazy, when the COVID crisis hits, when all these different things happen, well, I just want to jump in and make things happen. We can, we can make change. We can bring it about. We can do this. It can be better. It can be. And I find myself easily gravitating to that mode, but to really answer your question, Daniel, what is the challenge? The challenge for me in that is, well, let's, I'm, I actually need to take a pause to step Mm -hmm. back and say, all that's good. I believe God wants us to serve. I believe God wants us to give. I believe God wants us to bring change. I am for and involved in all those things. But what does God need to do in me Hmm. personally uh, during this time? I mean, what, what is God trying to say to me? Lord Jesus, what are you wanting in my life personally and not just what I do in these roles. And so I think it's been really helpful for me. I think we can take a crazy time like this and say, this was a time of spiritual growth. This is a time where God worked in my life, made me better, made me ask hard questions about my own thoughts about my own life, about my own perspective, uh, and all of those things allowing me to draw close to him, to find forgiveness, to really find new life. Like we can find new life, not just once years and years ago, but we can really find new life in Christ. You know, his mercies are new every morning. And for me to live into that, and then for that, to well up within me and spill out into the things I do. That's been the the fundamental challenge is to take it that direction and not do things in my own power, but to do things as God directs me. Amen. As one black pastor would say, that's living in the overflow. Love it. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. The overflow of your relationship with God. And, and so you're, you're, you're ministering out of a place of communion with God and versus out of your own strength. So that's good. 
Amen. Sounds like someone preached about that last Sunday. I know, right? I know, I know. Some, some, <laughs> some, some wise bishop that we will not name, who may be currently getting red face as we speak right now. <laughs> no, man, I'm always all kinds say? of. No, <laughs> no, I'm just I, always so kind of color, man. I just it's listen. All my I favorites. love your joke, and I, I hope I didn't get your permission to say it, but it's so good I used it before, and I gave you credit for it about some gentleman who has said, oh, "I don't yeah. know why they call." <laughs> Shall I? Shan't I? I you're, will. You're allowed to. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, so he's sharing a joke about, well, it's the truth. There's uh, a black preacher who was preaching to a congregation of mostly Caucasian people. And he says, I don't understand why y'all call us colored. Y'all are the ones that are colored. You turn red, you turn green, you turn white, you turn all kinds of color. So white people are actually the colored folks. We're just okay. brown people. Uh, so please so. do not cut that section out of this and hold it and put a, a sound bite so, of it. So actually, Jared, if you would make that part the beginning of the podcast, God, that'd be great. Yep. <laughs> that'd be yep. great. That's the intro. The That's joke the is, intro. right, right. When you, get it, when you get embarrassed or angry, you turn red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, t- yeah. And he, he he switched us on. He told us like, Nathan, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have to explain it, it's, it's not funny. It's anymore. not. Oh, he didn't right. tell the joke right. You gotta tell the joke right. It's all good. It's all. all, good. Right. all right. <laughs> I mean, remind me that I have an inside joke for what you just did. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Okay. So, well, uh, Pastor Rich has been a joy having you. I don't know if there are any other questions or thoughts or anything that you'd love to uh, talk through. You did mention um, that adult ministries, but can you say something about maybe the names of those ministries? And so people get more of a flavor, that would be great. So people get more of an understanding. And then if there's anything else the brothers have, and then we will say amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, um, if- a few of those examples, if people are around, they would recognize uh, those things include um, what we do as we greet and interact with people, what we call connections. It's kind of a vague term sometimes. You can call it assimilation. You can call it engagement. But how do we interact with folks as they are out in the community and then find out about us and then make contact with us and then join us and then look to get involved in some way. Uh, It includes uh, life groups Mm -hmm. and all the different forms of life groups. There's a lot of life groups that are kind of home-based. And at the same time, there are other life groups that are theme-based, you know, in terms of teaching particular topics or things like celebrate recovery. Or apologetics or anything yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good example as well. Uh, you've got men's ministry, women's ministry that fall into this uh, space and umbrella also. Uh, all of our discipleship work, the life journey is really a better term for it. Everything associated with the courses, with the development of folks, with the encouragement of how do we do one-on-one discipleship? Uh, how do we do uh, training Uh, different areas like that as people get involved and come to events or training. Sometimes we sponsor seminars, other areas like that. And then I mentioned some of the more hidden things earlier that are associated with administration and facilities and all those things as well. But yeah, the adult ministry part is more focused on the people part of it. So, Danny, one thing I did want to mention, you asked, was there any other thought? It's like, I want to say thanks, guys, for doing this every week. Um, Mm -hmm. I really am excited. This idea was sparked by us being in the stay home mode. Mm -hmm. And the stay home order was actually officially canceled 
Um, but at the same time, I think we've learned a lot. I think we've learned the benefit of being in each other's lives, of being having mm-hmm. contact points more than just once a week, of having a chance to talk and dialogue, ask questions, ask hard questions, and deal with challenging subjects, say, I don't know, or I'll find out, or Mm. I'm still working on this. I'm still growing because that's me in all of these (laughs) table talk Thursdays. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still, why did you even want me on here, Daniel? I'm wondering, you know, but um, it's just this sense that we're in community, And so I love that you're doing this. I love that we have the chances to connect and engage. And I really am hoping that we have found new ways to do life together that have nothing to do with a virus and that have everything Mm -hmm. to do with that's what the the church and the body of Christ look like. So I'm really excited it's happening. Thanks for that, guys. Well, yeah, one yeah. thing I want to point out too is just a conversation. Um, Rich, I, I know you spoke at the beginning of the podcast about your heart and a little bit about, um, um, you know, justice and racial reconciliation mm. and, and all the things. And, and what people may not understand is how much of an advocate you have been and how behind the scenes, some of the things that are never going to be seen, you have been influential into some of these decisions to um, to be intentional about our teaching pastor hire that resulted in Daniel and be intentional about our leadership team and be intentional about our staff and developing them in the church. And I want to thank you for that. But it came down even to you when we asked you to come on, Dan, Daniel asked you to come on, that you had reservations of coming on, not because you can't talk well, clearly you can, not because you don't deserve to, clearly you do and have something to say, but just tell me a little bit about those reservations that you had and, and, and your heart behind that. Yeah, I just said, you know, I said, Daniel, do you want, a, you know, somebody who is a, a person of color, which I don't know that we like that term, but do you want a black or a brown person to come on here and, and share some personal experience of how this is really going. And is that better than me? Would that be helpful for folks to really connect with? Um, You know, sincerely asking that question. And Daniel, I appreciated that um, you said, we don't want to continue to always uh, re-traumatize folks in these discussions either, that there's a time and a place for all of this. Um, but I, I will say that I'm glad for what God is doing. It is not acceptable the way things are. The injustice and the things that are happening are long-running problems. We have been at work at this for years, as you were just describing, Nathan. We're trying to work hard you know, from the inside out, doing hard work of growth for our leadership team, for our staff for people who are leaders believing that God wants us to be an agent of change in this community, but we're also just lamenting at the same time. I'm learning, I'm growing, I don't have this all figured out, but I'm committed to doing whatever I can. So we're changing church policies, we're changing some of our recruiting and hiring practices and the way we do things Every one of us can do something right where we're at rather than thinking the president is going to fix this. Mm. We can change our church, our community, our family. It's going to be different and it's going to start with us and it's going to start now. 
So I appreciate you asking the question, Nathan. And I'm just thankful for you guys uh, that we have a place to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Rich, one of the things I appreciate you um, about you the most is your humility, but your mm. ability because of your humility to ask questions, to ask really good questions um, and not always be prepared to give this solution. Um, you want mm. us to sit in that discomfort a little bit and even in that awkwardness and messiness of like trying to figure out how are we going to move forward? And it takes time and it's uncomfortable and especially for a person who's an activator who wants to like move quickly, like let, let's get things done to have the restraint that you have um, to sit in that discomfort and that awkwardness and that messiness, especially in a situation like this. Um, I really appreciate how you have been intentional and, and the tools in your tool belt, so to speak, the, the tools at your disposal um, and the fruit of the spirit, really, as you, as you mentioned earlier, um, that has enabled you to be the person you are uh, to lead us forward. And uh, like it's already been said here, not many people get to see that, um, but it is important that they know that, uh, that they know that those behind the scenes things are happening and those kinds of people are engaged in this process. So I appreciate you for that reason. Thanks, Jared. Yeah. Let me tell one other story um, in closing, and that is that, a couple weeks ago, when Daniel, you and Nathan were on with the other Life Church lead pastors, and there was this um, group discussion about what's going on and about the change we need, and about injustice and race and reconciliation and things. So, if people want to go back and watch that broadcast, we did it jointly with uh, Life Church Southfield. Yeah, it's on the Alan podcast Kenton. as well. Yeah. Um, um, hosting it. But what I wanted to say for me personally was to think of what God has done. Because I'm looking at the screen of six amazing pastors, four of which were our, our black and brown brothers and sisters, all leading the Life Church Network, all doing amazing things, powerful ministry spread across the Detroit area still growing, even talking about the launch of the new Detroit Life Church site. And what was that experience for me? And why am I making that point now? I was around when, when this was all nothing. This is just a, it's just a few people in Canton believing in what God would do. And now I'm looking at six powerful leaders leaving five different churches and, and all the amazing things, thousands of people in our communities being influenced and working and believing and not settling for where we're at. And Christ is just changing lives like crazy. And as I see the uh, symbolism of that gathering of the life churches together, it was moving for me to realize this is a... This is a God thing, guys. I mean, we're all, ladies and gentlemen, we're all doing our best, but this is a God thing, and we get to be a part of it. So I'm thankful. Thanks for having me on. Well, if, if, if there was ever any doubt as to why we had you on, the last couple <laughs> of minutes have proven um, that this is why. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
the history of Life Church Canton, but there's something to be said that we all who are on this screen in this moment in this season right now are the answers to prayers of many people who had hoped and wished. And I'm not even going as far as, you know, civil rights movement prayers and all that stuff. That's all great. King's dream is true. It's not just his dream. It's actually God's dream. If God could dream Um, it's, it's, but to know that even, yourself and people like yourself and and perhaps even us in different places before we converge together in this moment are the recipients of years and years of prayers and heartache and work Mm -hmm. and just faithfulness um, is definitely humbling and it's also convicting because then we get to be people who pray and plant and seed the ground for our future. And I'll pivot to this point, which is one of the most important things that happened this week for me. It's small, but it's major. It was, yes, people reaching out. That's huge. But when I heard Sue, your wife, chat about how your children are having passionate conversations about equality children who we would let's just say at their age you may not have been this keen to what was going on and to know that your next generation already is positioned to do greater than we've done in this generation um that gives me so much hope not hope in god that's always there god is fixture he never changes but hope in the fact that god can still redeem the american church and that's important because it was complicit in many of these things that we're discussing now so uh thank you for being faithful um and thank you all brothers here for being faithful even in this season because we don't know what's going to happen next so good well thank you brother we appreciate you we do bid you adieu uh in the in the electronically but not in the spirit (laughs) and we thank you we thank you so much for being here uh well all right good anything else brothers cool all right thank you talk to you soon rich yep bye-bye bye-bye all right so you gotta leave the meeting though rich <laughs> i was having such a good time <laughs> he's just like okay uh, yeah, there should be a point that says leave at the bottom or, or <laughs> and then there were three i will tell you though i'm a little tempted to say hey you know what just stay on brother because yeah. it's just it's just good to have you here like you're such a yeah man i mean you know he got choked up man and yeah and yeah I remember you telling me that Nathan in first interview. Like I was like, man, I'm hard, it's hard to read Rich. You're like, man, you don't understand. He's passionate. Like he's not passionate. He's so controlled and calm. And then these moments just hit him like a Holy Ghost thunderbolt. Like he's like, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> I almost made him do a yeah, God, because most of the time he'll just be like, guys, just yeah, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's I so actually tell real, people though. like this this is this is one of the reasons I invite people to become partners at Life Church or at least explore the opportunity to become <laughs> a partner at Life Church is because you get to go hear Rich speak. And uh, <laughs> and it's so much fun to to watch him engage the the crowd. So if anybody's watching and you're not a partner, uh, consider becoming a partner just just, just for that reason alone. Yeah.
I think yeah, it's yeah, July fifteenth. Yeah. I think is our next partner. There you uh, go. Dinner. Plug it. Plug it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, plug, plug it. it. Right. Uh, in July, mid July, you can come in. Hopefully, we should be able to. We'll we'll make sure we're safe and everything. But uh, come in and and sit down in here and yeah. uh, and hear Rich, man. Yeah, you can't get enough of that. <laughs> yeah, the same story Amen. told the same way, and every time I'm I'm moved. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, it's good stuff, man. Good stuff. I'm telling you, man. He's got a famous last name. Look that up. Tell you, uh, I think the original Rich Allen will be happy with this Rich Allen. I'm, I, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and go out on the books on that one. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, so as we sort of segue into the questions that we have, um, I do want to create space for some things that Pastor Nathan wants to share, and yeah. uh, really that we're gonna share because it's uh, you know you're, you're, we're we're together in this. Um, but yes, I want to give room for that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what I love about this is um, you hear that in Rich is we're learning and growing and stepping into this. Um, sometimes we're going to make some mistakes, especially on my end as a white man, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm going to say some things that are not smart or I'm going to be blind to something and, and being awoken, right? We're not woke. We're awakening, right? <laughs> we're awakening to, to the reality of what it is. Sometimes you can't see. That's the whole point, right? It's like opening your eyes to newness. And, and I had a moment that, that hit me um, that I was completely unaware of. And I wanted to share that for you. And there's two reasons. One, I, I want to apologize for something. Um, but this is not, uh, I may get emotional about it, but that isn't, that's not why I'm doing this. The point isn't for you to look at me like, oh, he's emotional. The point is to realize that we're human and we're working through this and that there's, there's something to be said. Um, and so the second thing is to, to give you permission as well as individuals, as your eyes are beginning to open, um, to, to not be so afraid of making mistakes that you don't do anything. It's almost worse. Um, last night I got to, um, we were recording the service. So we record the service live. Well, we did it live for the first time. Uh, well, I'm here. Let me step back. Mm-hmm. We did the service straight through, no stops for the first time since we left, uh, or the first Sunday that we were in COVID, we did it this way, but it wasn't pre-recorded. It was actually live. Well, we've been pre-recording our messages. It's important why I bring that up, but last night we were able to do, go all the way through and um, the, the message can be, I'm not preaching this Sunday, which normally we don't tell you who it is, but I, it's amazing. The message is amazing. And so you're going to want to tune in on Sunday. Um, but afterwards, we stopped, and there was a there was a man in the parking lot who um, one of our other people who were there saw him working on his bike, his his road bike, and it was broken. He called him over, and we tried to fix his road bike. And when um, his man, uh, this man's name was uh, Luther, and uh, Luther and I were talking for a little bit, and we were discussing kind of where we're at and and what's going on in our community. And I said, Yeah, there's a lot of people in my church and my congregation right now who I who, whose eyes are being opened to the injustice that maybe they never saw before. And uh, Luther's, Luther is uh, actually on the board for Youth for Christ. And Luther is a, uh, I found out as I ended up driving him home because <laughs> we couldn't fix his bike. Uh, he is, uh, was a, uh, played for Notre Dame. Um, he says he hates Michigan. So we instantly connected on a deep <laughs> spiritual level. But, but you know, Luther uh, went on from Notre Dame. He's lived in Detroit for 32 years. And he it was uh, played on the, on the Detroit Lions. He's a defensive back. And then he went into the USFL. And, and this guy, I'm driving him home. And I look at Luther. I'm like, Luther, you're the man. And he's like, you are the man. He's like, no, no. And I, and I said, I've never had an NFL athlete in my car before. You are the man. And, and what he said was just so beautiful to me. He said, he said, no, all of this was so that God could give me an audience. 
And so mm. that I could point him. And, you know, if you mm. haven't caught at this or figured it out by now, but Luther, you know, he, he's black. And, and um, for me, it was uh, an interesting moment for me as we're in the midst of all of what we're in to have these, con- these conversations and, and, and with all of the junk that's all around us, we were just having this conversation about who God is. And it was a beautiful thing. Um, so it was really great. I dropped them off and he was a little embarrassed. He didn't want his son to realize that his, his, uh, his, uh, tire had busted. He's like, he told me he's going to make fun of me. And I said, well, I'll leave before you humiliated by your son. But <laughs> he said, man, you, this is the best part of my day. I said, Luther, this is the best part of my day. And uh, mm-hmm. I meant that. So there's moments where you have these great connections and then there's moments where you mess up. And so for me, I'll tell you why, where I messed up. I recorded the message uh, two weekends ago about the overflowing love of God or, or the weekend ago. I, I recorded it early. And the reasons why is we had a, a short week. We were in a new th- season and there's a million excuses as to why we recorded it early. And there's no problem with that whatsoever. However, what I didn't even think about and the blind side that hit me and hit our team um, uh, was that um, I recorded it before the, uh, Mr. Floyd's death. And then I didn't think about the impact of that on our community would be that following Sunday. And I didn't throw everything out the window and start over and talk and, and use it as an opportunity. And in that moment, I, what I want to apologize for is that I missed it. Because it was such an incredible opportunity for people to have their eyes open. But more than that, and what I'm really sorry for, because that's we can have the right conversation at the right time. We can encourage to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to help people's eyes be opened. And maybe that's a missed opportunity. But what I'm apologizing for, the, for is the fact that I missed, um, missed where uh, people who aren't white like me might have been on Sunday and, and where their heart was and what they needed to hear and what they needed to be supported in. So I just tell you excuses aside, because they don't matter. I'm sorry. I missed you. And if you were watching this later and maybe it didn't even, it didn't even cross your mind. um, That's okay. I'm still sorry. We're learning. We're growing in this. And as a team, um, we want to do what's right. And we want to do what's important. So I've already talked about this with both you, uh, Jared, and you, Daniel. So you guys had some thoughts for me as I was processing on Sunday, right after the message, I called you guys. I said, help me understand this. What's the best way to take the next step? So let you guys kind of weigh in on that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for me, I I appreciate your sensitivity to it. I told you that my, my initial stance on it was twofold. One was I'm used to um, white pastors not talking about things that affect people of color in the pulpit. Um, and, and I shared even on um, with, with Alan uh, Tompkin the other day about just how specific people that I respect theologically are, will talk about same-sex marriage, will talk about abortion, but then when it comes to justice and police brutality and the assassination of African-American uh, specifically men, but African-American women too, Breonna Taylor. Uh, but they will be either silent or they will be holistically unhelpful by quoting verses that speak about how the government has been given authority to punish. Um, and essentially, if, if, if you as black people stop resisting, 
then you will live longer. Um, very hurtful things from people who purport to promote the gospel of grace, the gospel of love, the gospel of truth, the gospel of Christ. And so for me, it didn't ring a bell from that perspective initially. Uh, And then there's another part and maybe two more parts, which is also proximity works in both ways. Proximity works in awakening the white conscience to be sensitive to what black people are going through. But proximity also works in a person of color, myself, being able to give grace and understand that, no, my brother didn't do that uh, out of not caring for me or out of not knowing me. But it's just, char- like I said to you, I said, charge it to the head, not to the heart, right? It's a, it's, it's a mind thing. It's, it w- and then the sort of way I was able to reason that easily was because the sermons were recorded prior, Man, unless you're Nostradamus. <laughs> I know yeah, you got right. prophetic gifts, brother, but you know, unless your stuff working like that, and if it is, I got a couple of numbers to run by you uh, for this week's lottery. <laughs> we could fix a lot of things in this world. <laughs> so, uh, but I say, I say it with jest, but seriously, is no. I, I've heard you say things. I've I've heard you say hard things that, um, in some cases, I'm like, yeah. Does he understand? that in many ways he is, he is aligning with us. I mean, you will never be a black person. You will never feel what the black person feels, but I think it's safe to say when you were people who walk with Dr. King uh, in Selma and got hit in the head with Billy clubs as well, it's safe to say that that's the most blackest moment (laughs) of your life. And I think in some cases, when you put yourself in the crosshairs of white supremacists and people who um, who undermine the sanctity of life of people of color, then you get to get a taste of what it's like to be marginalized and ostracized. So so in that sense, I give you grace because I I as much as I can know a human heart, know your heart. Right. I know your works. And so for me, it wasn't. Nathan did something wrong. It was at the best. It was okay. We could have tweaked that, or we could have put. We talked about this adding an addendum to the end of the service. You know, some. So those are things that we we can talk about. But for me, it didn't chart in the sense of offensiveness. But I also love the fact that I'm learning more and more that people that are not of color are even being passionate about these things, right? And you could speak to that more. You know, in this scenario of people being able to say, "Hey, man, I wish you had said this," or "I wish you had done this," and from people who are not black or African-American, that to me is starting to elevate this topic to a new good level where, no, then it doesn't have to be the black people all the time talking about the injustice, but then now our white brothers and sisters, man, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, like I said, there's many people that in my mind that attend Life Church that say they're friends and I can, their silence is so deafening um, mm. and worse because they're Christians, right? So it's piercing to the core. Um, but then on the other end, though, there's people like yourself, like Jared, like the whole Beatty Bridge, like Lindsay, like Marnie, like uh, like Pam's, like all these people who are not black, but are, are saying, no, I'm seeing this and I'm hearing this and even yeah. hearing it, seeing it before I see it. That to me is letting us know we're moving in a, in a good direction. Right. So I love how you say not woke, but awaken in. And I think that's the humble place that any person uh, that is not of color needs to always be is I am being awoken to this. And it's this ongoing process. Even as a black man, I'm not fully woke in the sense of understanding the full ramifications of what's going on in this world. You know, like I said, there's an American problem of racism and then there's an international 
that, that we haven't even talked about and never had. So again, all that to say, for me, it didn't chart because one, I knew we recorded it ahead of time. Two, the space that I hold you in is a space of if you screw up, it's not because you meant to or you don't care about it or you don't uh, or you're apathetic to it. It's because you're human and we make mistakes. And so I didn't even see this as a mistake. I think the only thing, you know, being morning money quarterback is, yeah, we could have appended something to it and said, OK, hey, we this was recorded ahead of time. A disclaimer. That's it. <clears throat> yeah, I think what stuck out to me in our conversation on Sunday afternoon was uh, the the term tone deaf um, that, mm. that you had heard, and um, and that's that makes sense. Um, for those of you who don't know that term, tone deaf, I was in high school mm. choir, and um, <laughs> was, don't laugh at that. Uh, that's no, no, I was in high school choir too. <laughs> I wasn't and, laughing uh, at you; I was laughing oh, with you. Thank you. That's proximity right there. Um, <laughs> so. So, um, there, there was one year where we, we, this is kind of a longer story, but it don't make sense where we were like invited to go on this choir and band trip to Washington, DC. Well, all of a sudden that year, the choir and the band grew by like 50%. And so we had all of these people joining choir and joining band. Um, some of these people should have not joined choir um, because some of them were tone deaf. And so just for example, if you don't know what tone deaf means, uh, it, it would be like somebody singing "Amazing Grace, How Sweet." Oh. Uh, sound. It's like no, oh. those aren't. And the if notes. you can't hear why that's wrong, that's, yeah. hey, what's wrong with <laughs> that? Then you might be tone deaf, right? Um, that was beautiful. So, thank you, thank you. Uh, I've been practicing. Everybody gets an award, right? Uh, <laughs> um, and so it it would have been better had they not done anything at all, <laughs> had they not sung anything at all, because it just it actually made the rest of the choir go off a little bit. It was like, ah, oh, that's not the right notes. And then it makes us all sound bad together. The reason I bring that up is because um, when we, the church, um, attempt to do something and it actually falls flat and, and maybe sounds tone deaf, um, that's something that we, as, as specifically as white pastors, have to really pay attention to. And, and I think uh, I've said this before. You guys have probably said it before. I know you have. Um, we'll keep saying it. This isn't an issue of the periphery. This is a human issue and therefore a gospel issue. This isn't like an extra thing, an extracurricular idea to talk about racism in the church. It's just not. And so it is a gospel issue. And so it's something that not, oh, we might feel passionate about addressing. No, we have to. We have to address it because it is the gospel. It's part of the gospel because it's a human issue. And so when we decide to talk about it, um, there has to be uh, an understanding of the notes to sing, um, to use the metaphor. And, and yeah, we're going to make mistakes, especially um, us as white men. We're going to make mistakes as we're being awakened, awakened to the process. Mm. Um, but it's not a reason to step away from the table. And, um, yeah. and I, I would say this too, um, in, I don't want people to be afraid to make mistakes. Some people are in different parts of the journey of, of, of learning, of educating themselves. And, and that can get overwhelming because if you go on Facebook, um, I, I've been exposed to specifically some white people who have been in the process of doing a lot of study, doing a lot of reading, getting in proximity, and that's good. And then sometimes another white person will come on and they'll post something and, and it might be a question and it's innocent. They're trying to learn, and, but then they kind of say the wrong thing in the process. And some of these other people who have done all of this study will jump on them 
and say, no, that's wrong. You got it wrong. You're not woke. You know, whatever terms that they want to use. And it pushes that person away from, yeah. from their process to awakening. So mm. here's what I would say. For, for those of us white people who, are, who have already decided to be part of the process of awakening, awesome. Have humility for other white brothers and sisters who are also on that process, who may not be, and I, I hate saying this, as far along, um, yeah. because I don't know what the destination is until Jesus comes back, probably. Heaven, yeah, so, yeah. So we're all not as far right, along. Right. Yeah. Are there mile markers? Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, But just because you might be, quote unquote, further along in the process, you still had to be part of the journey at some point, too. And so have the humility to recognize that if somebody else is just now starting this journey to say things like, Hey, I see you said this, help me understand what, what you mean by that. Can, can I, can I uh, have an idea of what you're trying to do? Like come alongside in love and encouragement and support. And yes, mistakes are going to be made. Things are going to be said that are like, no, that's off. We don't say that anymore. It's okay. It's all part of the process, but have humility and gentleness in that process, um, because we're all at different phases of the journey. So that would be my encouragement, uh, based out of some of the things I've been thinking about uh, since our conversation this last Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, well, just piggyback on what you said, Nate, uh, Jared, I thought was very important is that I think sometimes amnesia is what robs us from loving on people. Yeah. We forget where we've come from. We forget what the Lord has saved us from, even not even on this race issue alone, but even as Christians. Right. That's what, you know, prodigal big brother syndrome, right? Where you're, you're, you just think you better. I've done this. I've been faithful with this. No, but where did the Lord pull you from? Um, where did the Lord bring you from? And I think that's, that's, uh, that's something that, not that I can't say it, but it sounds better coming from you that no, yes, you need to give grace to people, uh, who are still in this process because even myself, as much as I, you know, it's, it, I struggle with having this sort of, you know, way if I want to re-traumatize myself when I'm having a conversation with a, a, a neophyte, uh, Caucasian person who isn't really familiar with the stuff, um, I also know that, man, I can't push that away because, um, one, uh, if this is truly what I believe it is, this is a level of spiritual warfare, then all the enemy needs, all the human flesh needs to short circuit your journey is to say, look at that. They go, they go somebody of color who don't like you. They go somebody of color, you know, or maybe even in your mind make you say, oh, see, they're, they're just not nice people. And not that yeah. I need to carry that with me all the time. But I think it's helpful to be able to say, man, afford grace. And even in, 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 in saying, so saying that, I will say this last thing is, that also means, though, I also want my white brothers and sisters to be intentional and proactive to be the buffer. And, and I, I'm not saying that blacks can't handle themselves, but to be able to say, you know what, brother? I, I could take care of that. I could have that conversation. Let me not put that on you. Or sister, let me not put that on you. I think that's helpful uh, because sometimes I think people who are new to this topic forget that it's not a topic for black people, but that it's actually life. And so yeah. when I tell you and talk to you about these things, I'm seeing myself vividly in what psychologists like to call episodic memory. And in some senses, I might be having these subtle tremors in my soul because when I say slavery, I don't just Hey, slavery like change. I'm feeling sometimes those pains and those symptoms and those anyway. So you get my point. So thank you for saying that. I think Absolutely. that's helpful. Yeah, I want to I want to 
just circle back around as we close because we're running out of time and it's a, such a good conversation just to say uh one um what helped me in that moment because it as we, you may have inferred this was a, a conversation that was planned ahead of time that they just used this opportunity for them to speak something to me and it and it was so um it was so timely and good but it was it was a group of people uh or it was a, the individual themselves was not a person of color um, but, but they know what we're trying to do the couple did mm-hmm. and and they wanted to speak directly cuz they know that what we're trying to do they experienced something different and um i'm so grateful for that let's be clear. Like I'm grateful for that. Um, and what has helped me in all of this is like you say, not assuming I've arrived, but having this continual attitude of humility when I walk into this conversation every single time, which you guys have said so well, um, that allowed me to hear and allowed me to realize that, and, and this is my personal conviction now, not because they said it, but because as I listened to them in my spirit, I felt what I felt like God was saying was like that I made a mistake and that I can apologize for it and move on. And yeah. I feel like we have created and are trying to create that place where we can do that together. And that's what we want you listening to this to do. Be the kind of person who creates that same safe space. Love people, know them, have a relationship, and then speak truth to them. Um, you know, so, so I want to encourage you. Um, that my personal goal as uh, as a pastor is is to be there for for people of color and to acknowledge and be with them and to provide a space of safety. Secondarily, provide a place of safe safety for those who are on the fence or who are close or who are opening their eyes or awakening to come along. I am never going to want to just push people out or anything like that. I want to create that space, and you can help me do that. You listening can help me do that. You can be the people who do that. I, we have guidelines and some things that I communicate to my staff about their um, social media and, and that we try to do something. And they're mm-hmm. like, I'm like, there's people Powerful. on the fence. We want to create a moment for those people on the fence. And one of my staff members who always wants to get really good clarity and ask the best question said, okay, tell me what you mean. How can I do that? And it, in the moment I said, I, do something that's truthful and invitational. It's going to be offensive because it's truthful. And right now the truth hurts. But do it in a way that invites people to ask questions and into dialogue. And social media is really hard to create any kind of dialogue for. So I I would always say it's better in person, but you got to do what you got to do. And we're going to be intentionally offensive on this issue in a way that leads people towards relationship. That's a good line. But I, I saw this and I'm like, oh, I wish I had had this line before. And this is what I would say. This is actually a, gov- a governor speaking. I won't say who or whatever, but it, it, he said this. He explained his reasoning. He said this. These days, it seems like we're always talking at each other or past each other, aiming for an audience rather than a, a conversation. I don't want to contribute to that problem. I don't care what he was saying it about. That's not the point. But what he got to was, are you writing something on social media because you're encouraging a conversation or do you just want an audience? And this is directed at white people right now. I'm not, that's who I'm talking to. Do something about it. Invite and stand. Stand. I'm not saying don't. Do it. Stand for what's truth. Don't be silent. But as far as it depends on you, invite a conversation um, with people. That's how you can partner. And um, it's hard to do, and you're going to probably make mistakes. And you know what? That's okay. Go for it. Don't be quiet. Don't be quiet. Figure out how to do it the best you can. 
and go for it. And, and I, I made a mistake and I'm going to keep learning from it. And that's why I'm grateful that we have a team of people and that we have a church of people who are willing to, to, um, to, to speak out and to speak up. Yeah. Well, we are, uh, well, man, it's over. been good as usual. Yeah, we are over time, which is good. So sometimes we've been under time, but we thank you guys. If there are any questions there, please feel free to email those questions to me. Um, and my email, I will put that in there quickly. Um, but my email, it will be there. Um, and actually it's on, it's on the website anyway. It's on the Facebook. Cause I said, send me your pictures, your, uh, your pictures, no, your, <laughs> your email or a picture of yourself so we can see what face you were making while you, uh, why you say, why you said what you said, cause then we'll be able to have context, but we do have quite a yeah. few questions that we want to get to next week. Um, but thank you guys for your faithfulness to the gospel. Um, and then all the other issues that the gospel affects and has much to say about. And so it's been great brothers hanging out with you. Join us next time, next band time, next bat channel, God willing, uh, on table talk Thursdays. We love you guys and we will see you soon.